Welcome to Radioactive Summer Break on KRCL. I'm Laura Jones, and tonight, a conversation about the ninth annual Pacific Island Heritage Month. There's a big kickoff party this weekend. I'll be talking later this hour with Susie Felch Malo Ifoho, co-founder, CEO, and executive director at Pacific Island Knowledge to Action Resources. Also, I've got the latest from a doc at Intermountain Healthcare about COVID. So stick around for that update, folks. We get to have live music as long as we stay healthy. So do what you can to keep you and your loved ones healthy. More details online at krcl.org. If you go to the rallies and resources page under the Community Affairs tab, you'll find all sorts of links to help you during these chaotic times, whether that's COVID information, rent relief, and more resources in the community. So do check that out. Let's get started with a song of summer from Susie Felch, Malo Ifoho. So you love the you love the movie Moana. It's animated. It's beautiful to look at, but there's so much music in it too. How can you pick just one? I know. How about we go with Know Who You Are? Who would you like to dedicate this song? Because that's all parts of Songs of Summer is a shout out to the community. What's your shout out? My shout out would be to everybody in the community to come and share in the festival and to share the aloha spirit and our mana. Just for you, Susie. Songs of Summer on the Radioactive Summer Break. I'm Laura Jones, and you're listening to the Radioactive Summer Break. Still to come, the latest COVID update from a doc at Intermountain Healthcare. Right now, though, my conversation with Susie Felch Malo Ifoho. She's co founder, CEO, and executive director at Pacific Island Knowledge to Action Resources. It's a nonprofit that builds alliances, bridges across all communities to eliminate violence, increase income into ethnic and overlooked households, preserve all Pacific Island cultures for empowered physical, mental, spiritual, and financial health. But what Susie and I talk about is this whole month coming up in August, dedicated to Pacific Island Heritage Month, and there's a big kickoff party this Saturday. Here's that conversation. It is the ninth annual, and it's the 131st, um, I guess, year since Hawaiian Pioneer Day, and it was August 28, 1889, of our first Hawaiian Pioneer Day. As we record this conversation, we're still awaiting the annual Pioneer Day festivities in the Beehive State. Let's have a history lesson about Hawaiian Pioneer Day, and I'm guessing you're also referencing Yosifa. Correct, and that's when the first Native Hawaiians were moved out to Skull Valley to Isapa, and they then um, had a holiday um, and named it Hawaiian Pioneer Day in August 28, 1889. And um, part of one of the reasons why we chose August um, as the month to celebrate Utah's Pacific Island Heritage Month and expanded it beyond the native Hawaiians that um, first came to this valley. 131 years ago. 131 years ago. And as we sit after the year of COVID, after this year of civil unrest, this unrest that still is with us, I feel. Why do you think it's important to have a month of cultural festivities like this to perhaps create the opportunity for more conversation? And to find commonality in things. um, I believe that once you find commonality, that you really forget 
skin color, where you're from. If you like the arts and you're painting next to somebody, your focus is on the art that you're creating. When you like the same music, when you like the same activities. And so that was part of it. But I also, um, you know, I feel like being good neighbors in educating the differences and the similarities between the Pacific Island communities that are here in Utah. Since we are the largest per capita, you know, within the domestic United States, Utah is the state. You know, this also comes at a time when we're seeing a rise in hate crimes against the Asian community. And I'm guessing the Pacific Islander community as well is experiencing this. It is um, unfortunately right here in Utah, um, you know, unconscious bias in the way we see people. Many Pacific Islanders are being mistaken for Asian. We often have the same characteristics, facial features. Um, I know Micronesians have come and talked to me about this, could not understand why people were being um, racially negative, I guess, um, to them and didn't understand the words that people were saying to them. And we really have to look at ourselves and say that we don't see ourselves that way. However, it's always about how other people view us and their, and their um, lack of, or their, what's the word, unconscious biases that they have, right? So unfortunately, you know, the, the Filipino uh, food truck that was um, spray painted up north, um, you know, many things that are happening even in our own state. Uh, unfortunately, very sad. Well, a time to come together during the ninth annual Utah Pacific Island Heritage Month, Susie. And the kickoff is July 31st. Tell us what's happening and where and what we can all come together and do together. It is going to be held at Pacific Heritage Academy that's located at 1755 West, 1100 North um, on the west side of Salt Lake City. From 5 p.m. to 10 p.m., we always have entertainment we have youth entrepreneurs. We have a car. It's really anchored by Pacific Island cultural stations. You'll get a passport and then go along. If you attend every cultural station, you will then receive a backpack with school supplies. And this year, we are very excited to have um, Kalani Tonga, one of our artists, who actually designed um, the backpack. So you're going to have her artwork on the backpack um, as a memento of the of this year's kickoff. Tonight's show notes will have a link to this kickoff, but also the events that are happening in through into September. So Susie, we're talking big family and big fun. Yes, for everybody. There's something for everybody in the family throughout the whole month. Um, some of our youth entrepreneurs, we have art exhibits, we have um, yeah, just many many activities. The, we will be releasing the, the calendar. Um, and I think this year too, Pacific Island Business Alliance is having their first annual awards for Pacific Island businesses. We'll be highlighting six, so nominations, there's room for sponsorship still for the month and, and many opportunities to engage. What's the website where people can get all the details? www.upihm.com. Susie Felch, Malo Ifoho. And by the way, congrats to Susie, recognized by Forbes 
as being among 50 women globally recognized for their impact after age 50. Check tonight's show notes for a link to the 9th Annual Utah Pacific Island Heritage Month kickoff and other festivities. I'm Laura Jones. Here is Black Myself from Amethyst Kia on KRCL 90.9. This is the Radioactive Summer Break. I'm Laura Jones. Before we go, I wanted to share some of this week's press conference from Intermountain Healthcare on the current COVID situation in our state. Here are just some of the comments from Dr. Taki May, Medical Director at Logan Regional Hospital. It's been a rough 18 months. We have been very busy well, after the pandemic really got rolling in, in April and May, we really haven't had a slowdown. There tends to be a little bit of a cycle in healthcare such that we usually see our volumes drop a little bit in the late spring, early summer, and we have just not seen that. And I think some of that's delays in care from the, the period uh, of, of uh, people isolating themselves. So right now we have high volumes of patients in the hospital and we're really nervous about our COVID numbers rising because we remember what it was like when it was really bad. And I, I fear that we're heading there again. You mentioned this fear. Does it seem like the caregivers are anticipating this to happen again? Is there anything you're doing or your team is doing to prep mentally or and or physically just, just deal with a potential surge that could happen with COVID? Well, we are ready because we've already dealt with this. The difference is that, um, unfortunately, the, the stress of, of the pandemic really did help hit healthcare providers in a significant way. Some nurses have moved into other areas of, of, of healthcare. Some have left the profession. Some have gone back to school. So here in Logan, as well as across the state and across the country, we're seeing a real staffing problem. So we're, we're bursting at the seams. And if we have more patients with COVID coming in, that's really going to stress us out. And we just got a question specifically around your hospital. Can you relate any stories of patients at Logan Regional Hospital who are unvaccinated and maybe expressed regret over not receiving the vaccine when they came down with COVID-19. I personally haven't um, experienced any of, of those stories, but I know that uh, those patients with COVID that I have taken care of, um, they, they recognize now that the vaccine would have been an opportunity for them. Um, I, I have seen also uh, my first unfortunate case of a fully vaccinated patient with COVID in the hospital. Um, we have a 150 bed hospital here in Logan. So um, out of the many, many cases we've seen recently, just the one, um, but, but again, we knew this vaccine was not 100%. We, we know that it does protect against severe COVID in most cases. That was actually another question we just received around breakthrough cases. Can you shed any, on any light if the percentage of breakthrough cases has gone up recently and what that could potentially mean for the state of Utah as well? Sure. I, I know we have seen cases. We've had a caregiver here in our hospital who had a breakthrough case. Um, I, I think we are going to see the, the breakthrough rate increase, and that's just because viruses mutate. It's part of what they are. And that's why we need a different flu shot every year. So I think as our, our, our variants um, become more diverse, they're, they're going to es escape our vaccines. But right now, the vaccines that we have are still very effective against the variants that we're seeing. And we really need the entire population to, to participate in the vaccination effort, because that's how we stop the virus in its tracks. 
And I think it's important to note on that too, I've seen a lot of people talk about these breakthrough cases and what people aren't looking at is the number of people vaccinated versus breakthrough cases. And I think that's very important to talk about is there's a really high uh, denominator and a lower numerator, but you hear about these people who are having breakthrough cases. Can you talk you a little bit about them that? Because they're unusual, yes. right? Every day when you get in and drive your car, you don't think, oh, I could get in an accident today. We hear about accidents because they're unusual. So I think people need to, to change their mindset and recognize that these we hear about the scary stuff because it's scary. We don't hear about the mundane stuff, which is millions of people successfully vaccinated, avoiding COVID. I want to talk specifically a little bit about your region and vaccines. How are vaccinations going in the Cache Valley area and COVID in particular? Has there been an increase at all in either of those things? Yeah. So um, in, in Cache Valley, um, we have Cache County, we have a vaccination rate for adults of about 57%, which is good, but not great. Um, a little lower for the Bear River Health District in which uh, Cache Valley sits. Um, we have seen an uptick in our COVID cases over the last two to three weeks. We were to the point where we were seeing single digit numbers on a daily basis. And then we went into the teens and now we're seeing you know 25 to 30 cases a day. I think we're under testing too. So unfortunately, I think there's more COVID than we're, we're aware of. That's another thing I actually wanted to bring up is how the new variants affect people as far as symptoms go and when someone should get tested. Is there a difference between how you're going to feel, let's just take unvaccinated first and then we'll go to vaccinated. Is there a difference between how you're going to feel with the Delta variant versus other variants when it comes to symptoms? You know, I've seen some information suggesting that the loss of taste and loss of smell that we saw early on in the pandemic may be less common with the Delta variant. But unfortunately, COVID has a really wide range of presentations in general. Even in the beginning, we saw some patients who just had, you know, a runny nose or a sore throat some people had gastrointestinal symptoms, and some people were really sick. So in general, COVID has a very um, a heterogeneous presentation, which makes it difficult. I think at this point, I would tell anyone who had any type of respiratory symptoms, it's worth getting tested because it could be COVID. The um, the gentleman that I uh, was taking care of this weekend who was vaccinated thought he just had a cold and it turned out it was COVID. That was going to be my other question around vaccinated people as well. At what point should I be getting tested if I'm feeling anything? Um, it, it is hard for me to wrap my head around and I'm sure yeah. everyone that if I have a little tickle in my throat or if I'm feeling a little bit under the weather that I should automatically go get tested. Is there a certain point where it's necessary to go get tested? What are your thoughts on that? I definitely think if you've got a fever associated with it, you know, most of the common colds don't have significant fever. Um, one of the, the symptoms I saw in most of the patients that I've taken care of is this incredible fatigue. Um, and so I would be worried about that. And then of course, if you're short of breath, there's lots of reasons why you could be short of breath that aren't infectious. So that would warrant a checkup. And as far as vaccines go throughout the entire state as well, is there a particular area that is kind of lagging behind or doing particularly well? Um, and what could one area mean for the rest of the state if we're not kind of keeping up with the par there? So, you know, we live in a global economy, so people are moving back and forth into different areas. I think um, we, we all need to try to get our vaccination rates up. 
Um, rural communities probably have a much lower vaccination rate just because of access issues. And I hope that every health department is working to address those. Um, we know that uh, COVID rates uh, are higher in more heavily populated areas, and that's probably just a factor of more people gathering. Um, in terms of which counties have lower vaccination rates, unfortunately, I'm not familiar with those specific data, but um, we, know, we know that there are counties that do have lower vaccination rates, just like we have states with lower vaccination rates where we're currently seeing a COVID surge. Places like Alabama, Missouri, um, really seeing their hospitals filling up with cases of COVID. And I liked how you put that we have a global economy. People aren't just sitting in a bubble and not moving around. And it's yep. important to remember that too, when you're traveling to other places, how important that vaccine is so that you're not spreading potentially COVID uh, around. So I'm glad you brought that up. And I want to talk a little bit more about those variants as well. Um, is the Delta variant that is very widely talked about now, I think it's like 85% of the cases in the US. Yeah. Is it more deadly, more infectious? What's the difference between that and the main or the main mutation that we're used to? Yeah, so um, I was looking at a study recently where um, it showed that folks who were infected with the Delta variant had um, a thousand fold increased path, uh, carriage of the virus in their, their nasal passages. And so that means if you sneeze, you're gonna be distributing a lot more viral particles than the person who had our previous dominant variants. So yes, definitely more infectious. And we're getting some increased data that suggests that this is probably um, more deadly as well, unfortunately. And I can tell you from working the weekend, the, the, the pace, patients we're seeing in the hospital are younger and healthier than the folks that we saw last spring. Should we be taking extra precautions because of this? It seems like I've definitely seen an increase of people wearing masks again in grocery stores and just out yeah. and about. And I know that um, a variety of different counties and different states have brought back their mask mandates. Right. But as far as personal precautions go, when is it appropriate for someone to start masking up again? What are your thoughts on that? So really, it's about um, do you know the people that you're hanging out with? Do you know that they're vaccinated? Do you know that they're healthy? If you see someone who is sniffling or coughing, I would definitely wear my mask around them. Um, I personally wear a mask when I go to the grocery store because I know that my community is only about 55, 57% vaccinated and most people aren't wearing a mask, which means that there are a number of potentially unvaccinated infectious people there. Um, and I happen to have two parents who are both immune compromised, both vaccinated, but we don't know that they actually have antibodies and, that are protective. So for protection of myself in my role and in my family, I wanna make sure that I'm taking every precaution I can. That may not be the same choice that everybody's going to make. Dr. Taki May, Medical Director at Logan Regional Hospital, and the latest update on COVID in the Beehive State. For more details and to get your vaccination, just head on over to our website, krcl.org, for a link. I'm Laura Jones, and coming up at 7, it's Democracy Now!, followed at 8 by Vagabond Radio with Barbie, Connor and the Late Night Lowdown at 10.30, Super Sounds with Chovy, and John Florence starting your brand new day each and every weekday morning at 6 a.m. Let's go out with something from Echo and the Bunnymen with a new direction on KRCL 90.9.